Love your neighbor. It's right here again in front of us. But today I thought I'd start a little differently. I thought I'd tell a little story about love. Now we've heard a lot about loving your neighbor. Heard it hundreds of times probably. But what about loving your neighbor's broccoli? So I came across the story, an illustration by Stephen Shane. And this is the story that was told. A little girl stayed for dinner at the home of her friend. And the vegetable of the evening was buttered broccoli. And the mother asked if the little girl liked it, and the child replied very politely, Oh yes, I love it. But when the bowl of broccoli was passed, the little girl declined to take any. And the hostess said, I thought you said you loved broccoli. And the little girl sweetly replied, Oh yes, I do, but not enough to eat it. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty cute. So what do you think, friends? Is there a lesson in the story? Perhaps we could love the idea and humanity of loving our neighbor, but when the opportunity comes, sometimes maybe we pass, just like the little girl did with the broccoli. And in following this little illustration, there were some other words that this writer had written that I thought were kind of out of place, but as I read on, I realized they really were not out of place. And so... The words after said, kind of defined who our neighbor is. It said, one cannot define one's neighbor. One can only be a neighbor. And then were the words of theologian and preaching professor Hayden Robinson, who said, your neighbor is anyone whose need you see, whose need you are able to meet. A neighbor is someone who says, What's mine is God's, and what is God's belongs to my neighbor, because my neighbor also belongs to God. So I don't know how those words hit you, but it hit me pretty hard. And so I say, just sit with that for a while as we go on, particularly the part about our neighbors being anyone with a need that we can see, and anyone with a need that we can meet. And I think we should also think when we're pondering about when a neighbor has come to our aid to meet our needs. I know undoubtedly in my life that has happened time and time again. But one thing is certain this morning, church family, we all belong to God. We are all God's children. All of creation are God's children. And so moving on, getting a little deeper into the scripture, we see some strong words about loving our neighbor. It's a little different than what we traditionally hear. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor. But here we see that we're not to owe anybody anything except we should be indebted to loving our neighbors. That's a little stronger language here, I think. This is a little more than giving it the old college try, isn't it? And after all, a debt implies something that we can't immediately repay. It's an ongoing process. And I glossed over that debt part the first time I read it and the second time I read it. And as I continued to read it, I thought, no, this language about debt is important. Because it's so easy, we hear this, these commands to love our neighbor so much, it's easy to kind of say to ourselves, I know, I know, love my neighbor, I've heard it, and all the laws fulfilled by loving our neighbor. But as I read and read and read, this idea about indebtedness jumped out at me. It's more than just try. We must have action. And while we're not supposed to rack up 
frivolous debt on stuff. We do owe a big debt. And the work, we work on repaying that debt, friends, when we love our neighbors. And I say work on repaying, but perhaps that's not an accurate statement because we never finish paying off the debt. We should never finish loving our neighbors. It's never finished. And friends, many might be working, all, working hard to pay off the, the monetary debts. What a great goal to aspire to. It's one that I'm trying myself. But this indebtedness in the scripture is not to the big three. And the big three in the financial world would be Visa, MasterCard, and Discover. That's the financial big three in my mind. But we owe a debt to a different big three, to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who commands us to love our neighbor. So how do we do this? You might say, there's so many people to help. Where do we start? Your friends, being United Methodist is a good start. It's a great way to help people. We're what's called a connectional denomination. We're in fellowship with United Methodists all over the world. We have organizations, our ties, our gifts, our special giving. That all helps. We have what's called UMCOR, which stands for United Methodist Committee on Relief, if you've never heard of UMCOR. When there's a hurricane that just happened, there's a tornado, UMCOR gets mobilized and resources go out to folks. So that's just one example of things that the Methodist Church support. We have conference missional work. We have local missional work here at the church. And these are all great things about being Methodist, great things about being a part of this church. But today I want to talk about Loving our neighbors, how do we do that personally? And how do, what can we do as individuals in our daily lives to show love for our neighbor? And so let me tell you another story. I tell so many stories, and I pastored at the other church a little longer. I might have told this one there, but I don't know if I told it here. But one day I left here, and I went to a little country church out in the county. Because one of my favorite groups in St. the Shelter was going to be there, and I thought, well... I'm, I'm going to get another concert in. And I do miss the singing, friends, so stay tuned on that, too. I know, I know we all miss it. But after the service, the pastor came up to speak with me like a good pastor. Maybe he saw a whole row of kids there and thought, well, this is good. We have some visitors. Then I had a talk with him about being a pastor myself. And we were discussing our ministries. And what he said next, I'll never forget what he said. And I'll be speaking about, I'm sure I was talking to him about this fire I'd gotten from seminary about mission and loving our neighbors and all these things. And I'm sure I was running about. And he looked at me and he said, I've got something for you, Brother Ron. Are you ready? And I said, sure. And he said, Brother Ron, I may not be able to help everybody, but I can sure help the one that's in front of me. And friends, that hit me right in my soul. Love the one that is in front of us. Such a simple statement, but it lit a fire in me. Because sometimes we can get so caught up in who should we help. And how do we find those people? How do we find them in outreach? That's important work. That's what the church does. But his words caused me to focus on the ones that God puts in our paths. And that was life changing. His words also echo what I just read about the broccoli story. Our neighbor is the one whose needs we can see and whose needs that we can meet. And what wonderful news, friends. We don't have to go out and find people. Let's focus on the ones that God puts in front of you. And we will do the things.
to reach out, but focus on the people God puts in your path. And friends, there's some stuff I need to tell you as you go about that. Sometimes helping the one in front of you can maybe leave a bad taste in your mouth like broccoli you don't want to eat. And maybe you wished you would have passed on the broccoli. Tough words, but I think it's true. Sometimes when we help folks, we maybe become frustrated that they might need a little extra help. We might be frustrated in that. We might think that the help we gave them wasn't used to the best way possible. That might be frustrating. But in all these times, friends, I say we have to remind ourselves that all are the children of God and we are to love our neighbors and to love the ones in front of us. We are indebted to loving our neighbors. And friends, this isn't always about money. Loving our neighbor can take many forms. It can be simply pointing someone in the right direction. Maybe you don't have the answer, but you know somebody who does. It could be making a phone call. It could be a letter of reference. It is always, though, always listening and praying with folks. The greatest thing we can do is pray with folks who need an encouraging word. And friends, God is the keeper of what will unlock the best life for a person. Our job is to do our part with those that God puts in front of us. And friends, another statement that was said to me early on in seminary, I know I've said this before, that also applies to today. Every situation, every situation in life is a chance to partner with God. Every situation we should be asking ourselves, what would God have me to do in this moment? We, the church friends, we must shine the radiance of God's love to all. Let us not neglect the ones that are sent to us. I'm not telling you this morning to give money you don't have. And I'm telling you that I have seen the power of what God can do when we do God's work of loving our neighbor, the ones he puts before us. A friend of mine in the conference, when I was having a money discussion about something I wanted to start, said God has all the resources God needs to accomplish God's purposes. And I believe that's true. It's us that sometimes put limits on God. And friends, I am learning Week in and week out, as I go to school and I, I sit down virtually, sometimes when you get up in front of folks and you preach, you don't always have all the answers. And that's okay. Because life isn't always tidy. And not all the situations are the same. So as we talk about engaging and loving our neighbor, it can be messy and untidy. Because perhaps giving someone the 10 dollars that you see on the street is not the answer to their problems. And so problems feel so big that maybe as individuals that we can't solve them. Or maybe even as a smaller church, we don't have all the resources that we would like. Well, as I said, friends, sometimes it's listening and praying and connecting folks and just being present with people. It's always about listening and praying. And friends, it's always about love. So how many times do we read about it, hear about it, all of the law, it says all of the law, not some of it, not most of it. All of the law hangs on loving God and loving our neighbors. It's not convenient. Sometimes very messy. We have to set aside our thoughts sometimes about what neighbor means. It doesn't say love only those who lead perfect lives, who we agree with about everything. Only those that go to our church. None of that's in the scripture. 
Let's love all of our neighbors, as they say at school, hard stop. Love all of our neighbors, hard stop. But let me stop here for a minute. Let me give you a different perspective. We especially need to love those that are in community too, though, with us. Our church family deserves special care. So I don't want to water down that message. The folks in this room are very important. They're very important to each other. And when our church needs come in front of us, we need to do all we can to pray and be with folks in that moment. We should absolutely do all we can for our church community. And we do such a good job in this church, praying for people, card showers, visits when we could. Certainly among the top of our list of loving our neighbors, and I don't want to ever lose sight of that. That's why we, we come to church to praise God. We come to church to be in fellowship with God. So friends, as I start to close, as we see in the scripture, we go on, it says, Now that we are awakened, also translated, wake up. The time is now, not tomorrow. The time is now to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't put on the Lord Jesus Christ without following the basic commands that Jesus gave us. We're not to be consumed with stuff, but with our eyes firmly affixed on Jesus. And when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, we cannot separate Jesus from love. You just can't do it. And as I really do close, let me speak about some other things I read in Howard Thurman's writings. Thurman was such an inspiration for folks fighting for civil rights. As I said, he was Martin Luther King Jr.'s mentor, met with Gandhi. And when Thurman thought about oppression, he wrote about Jesus' back being against the wall, against the oppression of the Roman Empire. And he just kept talking about the example of Jesus always being rooted in love. And we talked about Jesus' back being against the wall and the people in general who are oppressed having their back against the wall. He said the oppressors can always move the wall. They can always move the barrier. But what cannot be taken away is the ability of the oppressed to love their enemies. You cannot take away love. Love was all that Jesus showed. And I really resonated with that. The wall may move, but love and character cannot be moved. And for Thurman, Jesus was the best example of love. Jesus loves all. Jesus died for all. And clearly lived a, full life, a life full of love. Love so big that we can't imagine. So friends, when I say love everyone, if that seems too big today, because that's a big task, just remember, love the ones that God puts in front of you. And that is as good a start to any of us. It's all about love, friends. God bless you. Uh, the um, offering box is in the back. I believe it's on the back table. I know some of you are continuing to mail checks, however that works, but if you have an offering, it's just on the back table. But let's go ahead and say a prayer for the offering. Gracious Lord, these offerings we present to you May they be used for ministries of love and reconciliation through this community of faith. Lord, I ask that you bless the gifts and you bless the givers. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As this is a communion Sunday, I hope you grabbed your cup here. Everybody got one? If not, they're on the table. Now, i got to give you a tutorial on this because I look like a, a fool the first time I tried to do this online. It should be on that first table as you go around the corner. I'll give everybody a second.
Okay, here's your communion 101 with these things. So it's got two tabs. You see like a clear tab. And that's going to be your wafer for the bread. And then when we go to the juice, then it's that thicker tab there. Okay? It took me my third year of seminary for the worship teacher to say, hey, you need a, a tutorial. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I will be in the Methodist and I'm going to read the liturgy here. Give me just a second. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. And so, with your people on earth, and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Let us say a prayer for the elements. Gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. May them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Friends, go ahead and get your wafer ready. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Well, I have another song here. 
Let's see if A accused up and B if there's an ad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>